So I googled some physics jokes to tell you. <laughs> Alright, my first joke. Why can't you take electricity to social outings? Because it will stop you. Because it doesn't know how to conduct itself. Conduct itself is conducted through materials, but okay. Yeah, fair, right? Fair. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, here. This is the last one I'll tell. It says, I have a new theory on inertia, but it doesn't seem to be gaining momentum. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> no, this one's actually big. That makes sense. That makes sense. Welcome back to Say Chiefs. I'm your host, Chiefs, and today I'm joined by Stephen. Stephen. Okay, yeah, Stephen. Straight to the point, Stephen. That's what up. Stephen, do you want to tell us about yourself? Uh, okay. My name is Stephen. Um, I'm a child of God. Glory. Um, I'm a third year physics major, and I am a. I work as a software engineer. Wow, that's okay. You're working as a software engineer while studying, while kind of, I don't want to say running a church, that sounds very. Mm, yeah, yeah, it does. But while being one of the church coordinators. So, this is actually what I wanted to talk about your service and the fact that you are also 21 years old. Yep. I find it absolutely remarkable because when I first met you, I actually thought you were much older, mostly because of how you conduct yourself, like like an old man, kind of. Most um, people think I'm quite old. Most people think I'm in my 30s. So. Yeah, well, you give off those vibes, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You, you, you do act a lot older, but I guess it's just uh, a certain level of maturity that God has blessed you with, so we thank the Lord. Lord. But... Um, yeah, so, so I have a, a younger brother. My biggest desire for him is always that he would love the Lord, serve the Lord, and live out the Lord, right? And then when I see you and you're so young, because 21 is quite young in my opinion, and you're doing all these things for Christ, I'm completely shocked and I'm completely amazed. <laughs> and we thank God for your life. So I want to start it from the beginning, like your origin story and where... How and when did you find Christ, basically? Oh, okay, yeah. So I grew up in a Christian household, so, uh, well, typical Nigerian Christian household, you didn't really have a choice but to go to church. Mm. Um, but the thing was that my my dad specifically was not just a an average Christian guy that would go to church. He genuinely loved God, genuinely was serving God, and he was the first example that I saw of this. Same thing with my mom. Deacon in the church. My dad was one of the Sunday school teachers in the church and uh, various things like that. And he was quite proficient at teaching. Yes, the gift of teaching actually. So, and one of our, uh, I think one of the things that's more co- most common in our in our house is that most of us are readers, and uh, so we basically learned it from him. And so I loved reading the Bible. They loved. They didn't read it like prayer. 
So and, uh, many times I would read the Bible, ask questions, and ask him, and then he just give me answers to those questions. It seems really deep, and things like that. So it was a basic template for 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 me and my siblings uh, to kind of grow in the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, then it was still a bit superficial in some sense. My faith, even though I could hear God at that point, you know, I, I had a relationship with God. But, uh, I guess this is just talking in hindsight for, from some of the things that I have now seen that there was more than what I had then, you know, but back then I was still struggling with a lot of things, um, but my origin story is basically I grew up in a Christian household, I had parents that actually loved the Lord and didn't just go to church for fun of it. Mm-hmm. They encouraged me also, saw that I had passion for the Lord, they encouraged it always, and so, yeah, that's, that's basically it. It's so cool. I mean, I know a lot of pastors' kids that grew up in church, or not even just pastors' kids, um, even just people that grew up in church. I grew up in church as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. For some people, there's this exploration phase. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I've always been in church. I have church at home. I'm forced to go to church, you know. Because, like you said, we didn't have a choice. It's yeah. my house, my rules. As long as you're under my roof, you're going to church on Sunday. But how did you, I don't know, like stay? You left, you're in Europe. What makes you still want to go, you know? Okay, well, I mean, the, it's, it's pretty simple. It, it was something that I understood. Well, maybe didn't understand, but I had even when I was young. Christianity uh, is based well with Christ is a relationship and not a duty. Uh, of course, there's the duty part of it, but um, you have to have a relationship. And I had a relationship with Christ as as young as I was. I remember making deals with him, like if you help me pass my exams, I do, I'll give you maybe two hundred naira, which was which is so much. I mean, maybe maybe just like twenty percent of of an euro, something like that, right now. Okay. It was practically nothing, but it was experiences like that that you know started building my relationship. There was a day I wanted to. I, my dad asked me to pick something for me from his room, and I went there and I saw a huge stack of money, and I was like, "Let me just take some." And <laughs> I felt some, somebody telling me, "Take some, take some," and things like that. And then I felt a small, quiet voice say, "No, don't do that. Don't do that." Okay. <laughs> I told him that I had two voices, and he said that one. I was quiet and silent with the spirit of God. Now and I had I had a relationship with God, um, you know, even from that age, and this persisted um, across till now. So even when I'm faced with challenges where I feel like, oh no, I'm not because I mean I've quit on God a number of times, and but it's my relationship with Him that kept me going through all that. So it's, it's more the relationship. Um, the Christianity is more fun when when you when you have a relationship with Christ than just you're doing things out of duty or out of compulsion. Right? I guess that's true. Because I've also had experiences like that. Um, So so I grew up in the church as well. Had to go to church. No doubt about it. But then after a while, uh, certain circumstances made me kind of question certain things. Mm. And I'd say maybe because my foundation was quite superficial and I never allowed it to get deeper. So that's on me. But certain things made me kind of question everything. So I didn't want to go to church anymore i just didn't see the benefit to yeah. believe in the lord it was a uh, like a duty like you said yeah. instead of a relationship i did it because i had to 
but I guess at the end of the day, it's always something that pulls you back. Like when you mentioned the voice, it's like I don't know. Do you watch cartoons? You seem like someone that doesn't watch cartoons. No, I what I used to watch anime a few months back, but I'm currently like on entertainment break or something like that. Okay, that's fine. I do not watch anime. I watched the Avatar, but they tell me that doesn't count. So there used to be this cartoon I liked. Uh, called Empress Palace or Empress New Guinea now I don't know whatever and this guy would have an angel and then a devil on his shoulder when they were supposed to make and then they'll be saying oh do this no don't do this um, but I feel like in this day and age that we live in you said that there was a small voice then there was other voice telling you to do something these days it feels like the other voice is more appealing than yeah. the small voice. Yeah, so it doesn't always necessarily have to be a still small voice. That's classically what everybody learns. Yeah. That's taken from, if I remember correctly, maybe first kings, where Elijah was um, asking to see God and he was saying, um, you know, he was only he was the only prophet left, and then he said, God, let me see you and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was. There was an earthquake, there was wind, there was fire, and so on and so forth. And he says that God was not in those things. Mm-hmm. Still small voice. So I feel like that's usually where people pick a still small voice from and things like that. But it's not necessarily the case. Devil is very wise, you know, he has many ways of tricking people into doing things. So that's why we go back to scriptures to, uh, to prove whatever we hear. That yeah. I heard something. I go back to scripture. What does scripture say about it? Yeah. Oh, that's true. I guess scripture then becomes our still small voice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. becomes the kind of um, doubt clearer. Yeah. Okay. So then, being young and being a, a man, right? I've never been a man before. <laughs> so, you've never been. <laughs> it was just assumption. Mm. But how has it been for you, like? Have you not experienced times where other things seem appealing? So, for example, let's say something that's very, very big in our generation is like um, drugs or smoking. Smoking has become very cool or drinking and Mm -hmm. sleeping around and stuff like that. Because you're young and people say, oh, YOLO, live life. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) How how have you managed to refrain, so to speak? Okay, yeah, I'll just say it goes back to the relationship, really. So, it's one of the things that I, I like to clear from people's minds because, for instance, people always are surprised when I say that I've never had a girlfriend, never alcohol, never smoked, never. And they're like, What do you mean? <laughs> Number one, the thing is, like I said, I grew up in a Christian household, and the slightest hint of those things would mean a beat down for your life. So, you, you dare not try it. Of course, there, are, there were people that tried it, you know, and it's, it's not as if they are dead now or something like that. You know? <laughs> like I said, I had a relationship and um, this always helped me. Even when, um, I, I, you know, when everybody eats puberty, oh my God. Oh, so I yeah. eat puberty and then I started seeing things on ladies that I felt like, oh no, why am I seeing this? No. <laughs> I would. I remember a particular day that my dad came to take us from school and we were going home and I would look and I would see... Uh, the woman's chest and I would be like no 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 God please forgive me and stuff like that and it would happen like in a bunch of times before I got home and I would feel condemned and dejected and mm. crazy things like that and then while later I started struggling with porn and things like that you know mm-hmm. so I've definitely tasted some of those things but of, I mean I've never had sex you know but 
um, what just came back to us that even in those times it was a struggle. It wasn't that I was freely and without a conscience doing those things, and that was just back to the fact that I had a relationship. You know, yeah. I didn't yet understand that um, what was happening in some of those processes was that I was grieving the Holy Spirit that was put inside of me by, yeah. like he says in Ephesians four thirty, do not grieve the Holy Spirit that's put inside of you. You know, but I could feel like a deep, deep sense of pain and hurt that. Why am I doing this? Why do I keep doing this? You know, like Paul was saying in Romans seven and eight, the things, these things that I'm doing, I don't want them. I don't want to do them. You know, I was struggling with all that, but my relationship kept me uh, kind of based that these things that you're doing are wrong. So okay. it was more of a struggle than something that I did without caring about it or without a conscience. You know, so I'll say my strongest. It's still been my relationship because I mean. I mean, I mean, many people, even in church, I can remember a day that his sister was telling me that you see women as trees. Like, <laughs> that's not the case, really, you know. But I've learned to control myself a bit more. I've learned to be a bit more um, controlled. Does it mean that I don't have I don't have bouts of attacks from loss or things like that? No, of course I do, you know. But I've learned to pray about this, speak to the Holy Spirit about it, rebuke the devil and things like that, you know. So, yeah, when we keep learning, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I want to touch on something very quickly. Um, so, when you say that you develop a relationship, how do you develop a relationship with God? You know, with people you go on, I don't know, dates, you go out, mm-hmm. get to know them, speak to them and stuff like that. So, say I did not know the Lord. How would you advise me to, ve- to develop a relationship with this being that I really cannot see and struggle to hear? Yeah. So, it's it's really... It's really, and it's one of the things that everybody struggles with in the faith, but it's really simple. And I, I feel it's one of the, well, I know it's one of the reasons why uh, Bible commands that teach your child in the way they will go, they should go, you know, because learning it at that age makes it very simple. Look at how easy it was for children in the Bible to believe Jesus and to follow him, like, you no, know, just a little of children. So having it from that age kind of helped me, you know, start growing that relationship because I didn't really think, what does science say? What does it prove it? All those kind of things I just believed, you know. And um, but down to a relationship, I'll give you the relationship even with a normal person. You spend time with them, you know, is what we speak about intimacy. So um we don't know somebody quite well, but as you as you spend weeks uh maybe seeing each other once in a while, talking, then spending more time together, intentionally planning maybe a day out to go bowling and things like that. Yeah. Uh, to share one another's secrets and think and this is practically how a relationship grows with, with Jesus also. You spend time. You know, you get to the point where um, you're spending 30 minutes a day in prayer or something like that. You get to a point where you can feel a deep yearning within yourself like, this is not enough. I just want to be here. I want to spend more time here. Spending an hour, start going more than one hour and so on and so forth. And it feels like you can never have enough time in his presence. Mm -hmm. What happens to every single person that has persisted in the presence? But of course, at the start, usually it's bumpy. You know, it's like you're, you're... newly on your way you just made a new friend conversation <laughs> pretty weird with them sometimes when you know yeah. very awkward when you don't know the kind of things you like in common and things like that it's the same thing you know conversations can be pretty difficult and a lot of people of course struggle with um so how do i hear god and things like that but I'm, it, it just goes back to john chapter 10 verse 5 you know my sheep hear my voice so the idea of the sheep is that the sheep is always with the shepherd so intimacy that's how you it. it reminds me of this quote by Stephanie. Is her name Gretzinger? I don't know how to say her surname. But I remember this one time I was listening to 
her minister and she was saying sometimes we have to push past the temporary in order to press into the eternal mm. and it's something that stuck with me for a long time like even with prayer as you're saying uh, i heard someone say sometimes it's not like you're forcing yourself to do it but you really just have to get to that place where you discipline your body mm. enough to like fight the desire fight the uh, temptation to leave so that you can tap into that desire that you have to stay. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's something like patience is something our generation Yeah. Lacks. We really want everything now, yeah. Yeah, we have instant everything, instant noodles, instant money, instant this. everything is happening right now. But the thing with God is he really does take his time and his time and our time is different, completely different. Yeah. Pretty interesting. So, okay, quickly now, I want to talk about serving in church as well because that's one of your biggest, um, I'd say, job descriptions. <laughs> so, uh, serving in church. What would you say would be the benefits of serving in church? If I come to church and I, I'm there regularly, I really do love the Lord and everything. Why should I feel the desire to serve? Uh, yeah. Well. Um, I can't remember exactly where he says this. The scripture does say, I think it was Paul that says that let or maybe Peter now, let everybody serve according to the measure of grace that has been allotted to them. Um, I believe also in Second Peter one three, more day about it. He also talks about oh no, that should be verse nine or ten. He says that make your calling and election sure. Now, um, one of the things that we do in church is uh, through our service is that you begin to discover yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of the best ways that you can discover yourself. So my discovery of myself um, has really been in service of others. That's when I discovered how best can I serve people, how best can I give what of what the Lord has given to me to people. You know, mm-hmm. I was thrown into positions of leadership where I wasn't particularly comfortable. Um, I'm usually the most silent person in many places. Uh, well, of course, there are people that are more silent than I am. <laughs> But usually when I come into a place and new and things like that, I'm usually very silent, you know, just observing, not not ready to take up anything. But I was thrown into a position where I talk to people, uh, people, uh, you know, people would come up to me and say they had a dream and then I would have to pray and then bring them in meditation and things like that, things and stuff, you know. I have to learn how could I serve people, you know, so in the process of serving, and this, this, this doesn't stop at just the things that we do in church, you know, in that process of serving people, I began to discover a lot about my identity. It was at that same time that God said to me, the skills that I've kept in your hand, make sure that nothing happens to them. Because if you if you've been faithful in me too, you it will commit much more to your hands. You know, mm-hmm. he also says that if you cannot be faithful with um, another man's feet, you will commit your own to your hand. You know, so basically in that process, you know, I learned that I, oh, I, I actually love music, joined an orchestra, playing violin, started playing chess more professionally, started doing a lot of things. You know, at the same time, started writing reading more and things like that the one thing i'll say is is a passage which is discovering yourself serving people is a passage which is discovering yourself um, the grace that god has placed upon your life and uh well maybe not even advantage now but it's also an advantage let me just indirectly you have the opportunity to carry the burdens of the mass that's how i like to say it you know mm-hmm. it's usually not fun it's usually very painful yeah it doesn't sound that great you know it doesn't sound fun but I, I remember a, yeah, a poem that I was working on. Um, well, I write poems, but I, I didn't publish them. Well, are we going to get an exclusive? 
No, not not exactly. But I'm just just going, going to read the part of one of them that I wrote a while back. Okay, I'm excited. It's just, it's just titled um, "Okay, the painful joy of a chosen one." Oh. So, the agony of your burdens upon my heart is only matched by the joy and the honor to bear the pains of my king, mm-hmm. the chosen one. The joy of being counted worthy to feel the very feelings that cause through your heart, to have in mind the thoughts that make uh, that make you happy and those that make you sad. I love you, Lord. That's the wow. Yeah. So he was he was mainly in the, in the period where I was really feeling down, serving God, praying, fasting, doing a lot of stuff, you know. But at the same time, you know, when when I was feeling down, I think the sister just spoke to me and encouraged me. And then I just realized that it's a great honor to be able to feel what God feels. You know, it's the pain that He feels over circumstances, He feels over people that are perishing. And then He said, "Would you bear this burden on my behalf? Or would you bear this burden with me and do something about it?" So there's also that joy of making Jesus happy. Well. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the most important one. Yeah, and I guess that's a really big one to remember because if we do it for people. We'll never be happy. I remember um, one of the notes I have in my room, Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I guess that's one of the biggest things to remember when you're serving God. Sometimes serving God comes at the expense of, let's say, friendships or uh, (laughs) kindness from people. People don't even say thank you. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and you, you get to offend people more often and you have to say sorry more often yeah even when I know I'm not wrong yeah. well, I don't know that's maybe I'm proud or whatever no, no, no. <laughs> I've, I've had to say sorry to people multiple times even though I wasn't wrong so, yeah. It's, yeah it's like this is why we just have to seek after Jesus. You know, Jesus was everything. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He's Lord. And still, He came and He was washing yeah. feet. Ugh, you! I hate feet. <laughs> I can just imagine having to touch feet. And these people were walking in the sand, and their feet were probably dirty. Ugh. <laughs> the extent to which you will go. I'm telling you, and it's really beautiful. And uh, just like. I guess to kind of wrap up the conversation so if let's say people that are in the church maybe that are struggling with serving or people that are contemplating about whether or not they should serve or people that have been serving for a while and feel like maybe they are underappreciated or undervalued I don't know you know just like it's it's getting more and more difficult yeah. you know, what you say would keep them going because you've been doing it for a very long time yeah uh, so how have you kept on going or what would you say would keep somebody going in that situation well uh, one part is uh, make sure your relationship is alive one thing that happens to every person when they start get, when they start serving is that they start losing a bit of their relationship sacrificing a bit of their relationship to actually serve more mm-hmm. but never sacrifice your relationship to serve more you should make sure that even the level of service that is, determined, uh, is uh, demanded of you is matched with the exact same level of relationship with Jesus. That mm-hmm. powers your service. So if you if you are not having a relationship, it becomes very because when things get tough, that's where you are going to run back to. When the same people that you are dying for decide to stab you in the back, you are going to have to run back to Jesus. And if that remains, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard, you know. So you keep your relationship alive. 
you know, for people that maybe have been hurt in their service, what I would say is you still go back to that relationship. Of course, you can talk to a, a pastor, like your pastor, or maybe like a spiritual parent that you have in the faith. And mm-hmm. get through this process, everybody has gone through this before. It's not a, it's not an unusual um, thing that happens to only you alone. That's one of the biggest exceptions you can feel. It's happening yeah. alone now. It happens to everybody, you know. So, then for people that have not served at all, I would say that speak with your pastors. Um, if you have a desire to serve and you don't know a specific place to go to speak with your pastors, um, God usually gives them a bit more insight about your life and say, oh, this person, this is what I want you to train them on planning and things like that. And they're able to direct you that, okay, go to this department, go to that department. And then over time, the, the, the idea of how God works is that he unveils his will for your life as you go. So you might be you might be in a particular department where it's not the most perfect for you, say like the sanitation department where you're supposed to be in the choir, you start in the sanitation department and you start learning the scriptures, you start you know, learning a few things. There's a feeling within you that this is not where I'm supposed to be. God will begin to unveil it, but you are now within the house. But if you just sit down and then you don't start doing anything, yeah, you're just going to waste away on your seat. So get the work of God, start doing something. Every believer is expected to do something with the grace of God upon their lives. Yeah, and I would say for anybody that is discouraged again, especially people that serve in the secrets that are people you don't know. Yeah, yeah. In prayers, we want to pray for people that serve in the secret that people don't really know their yeah. works. I would say that um, this might sound a little bit harsh, um, but uh, get off your eye, us. <laughs> and you are serving Jesus. He's the yeah. one who rewards. So it says that those who uh, who pray in secret and then the, the heavenly Father sees them, He rewards them. So yeah. when you're doing in the secret for the master, you are doing it for the master, not just for those people. You know, He rewards you for those things. He blesses you, and there's no better thank you than to hear the master say, "Thank you, my servant. You have done the job." No, you can have a thousand, a million thank yous from people, but when Jesus says that to you, right? Nobody else matters. Mm, yeah, so you, you keep your relationship alive. You remember that you're not serving men alone, but you're serving them on behalf of master. So. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And then what about guys that are your age, maybe that think it's not that cool, I guess. Do they say cool still? Think it's not that cool. It's not dope. I mean, I understand that, you know, even when I'm at work and um, I think, oh, no, yeah. I was supposed to be doing myself and everyone like something that we can't find on the CV and I said I, I side with the pastor in the church yeah. wasn't the most cool thing to say but to me yeah. it was cool like it was pretty cool that I was working for Jesus and stuff like that it's understandable that people don't feel like it's cool but like I say you know this idea is, is about the relationship with Jesus if you have that relationship you know it makes things come into perspective a bit more you know so yeah I know that people might feel like it's not cool you know but um what you need to begin to do is um, come to a place where uh, you can be adequately supported in your relationship with Jesus and I mean like a church that can help you in your study of the word and keep you accountable in your quiet time. Do you pray every day? Do you study every day? You are growing a relationship. Naturally, um, you might be married to somebody where you feel like hmm, this person doesn't always say the right things. This person doesn't dress the best way and things like that. And in some sense, you might be embarrassed about some things about them, but you won't want to say that. But the moment, you, as you start growing in love with them, you know, even though they might be embarrassing in some ways, 
you learn to enjoy it. And the amazing thing is Jesus is not even embarrassing, it's just your fear on it, you know. But love has a way of kind of um narrowing your focus on the person that you're actually in love with, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it narrows your focus on Jesus and then you're like, let everybody think what they think. All the yeah. you, you know, so yeah. Oh that's good. Thank you. Oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Oh, I'll tell you one more joke before. Okay. okay. So what did the male magnet say to the female magnet? I'm attracted to No, but very, very close. He said, Ooh, seeing you from the back, I thought you were repulsive. But now seeing you from the front, I find you rather attractive. Uh, (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. If this is your first time, hello. Nice to meet you. If this is your second or third or fifth time, we don't have five episodes. We're really glad you could come today. I hope you have a great day. Go bless somebody. Bye. Thank you.